This is the fifth Sunday of Lent, and our mother, the church, has us read the story of the man who was healed after being paralyzed for 38 years. And one of the things that the church is trying to highlight for us in the weeks that are ending the the great fast, and as we begin Holy Week, is that Christ is willing and Christ is eager to seek after the One. You're not lost among billions of people, but you are an individual whose salvation is important to God. Two weeks ago we read about the prodigal son, which is a parable about the joy in heaven and the joy of God the Father when one person returns to Him. Last week we read about how Christ cared to have a conversation with one woman, even though she was from a culture, from a faith, that was looked down upon by the Jews. Next week we're going to read about Christ healing the man who was born blind. It's an important and a comforting fact to understand that Christ cares for me individually and specifically. And today's events sort of re-emphasize this. The sick people at the pool did not really want the help of Christ. They were already like in a miraculous place with miraculous means to be healed. Our Lord Jesus Christ wouldn't go there except to see this one person. He healed multitudes everywhere he went. And actually many times it is recorded that he, he healed all the sick who came to him. But in this case, he wasn't interested in the masses. He wasn't, you know, there must have been, if this is a pool where there is miraculous healing, there must have been, you know, tens or hundreds of people around the pool waiting to be healed. He only healed one man. Our Lord Jesus Christ did not go to conduct sort of a mass healing. He chose to heal one person among many. And so it's important for us to ask ourselves, do we understand or do we live with this fact that Christ cares about me and loves me individually? These gospel events teach us that and actually the scripture teaches that as well. In Jeremiah it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. And in Ephesians, St. Paul says, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. So our Lord Jesus Christ, He comes individually to heal this person, and He asks Him the strange question that would be to ask anyone who's been paralyzed for this long, asking Him if He wants to be healed. Of course, anyone who would be in this condition for this long would jump at the first opportunity to receive healing. And we talk a lot when we read this passage about this question and, and why did Christ ask this. And when we read this passage, we read it in the context of asking ourselves, do we really want to be made well by God? But I want to actually focus a little bit on the man's answer. When Christ said, do you want to be made well? He didn't say yes. He didn't say no. It says, the sick man answered, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. While I'm trying to get into the water, someone else goes down before me. So this man had faith. He had faith that this water, if I went into it first, would heal me. 
But his faith was in the pool and his faith was actually in men. Right? His answer when he said, do you want to be made well is, I don't have anybody. I don't have a man to help me. I have a friend to put me into the pool. In the Psalms it says, do not put your trust in princes nor in a son of man in whom there is no help. His spirit departs, he returns to his earth. In that very day, his plans perish. So this man did not have any, or did not at least express faith that God would be able to do anything for him. He is counting on man. He is counting on humans to come to help him, to put him into the pool, and that was his way that he was going to be healed. He didn't feel like there was any way for him to be healed otherwise. And sometimes the same for us. We, we lack a faith that God is going to be able to help us. We put our faith in our possessions, we put our faith in our connections, in our network, we put our faith in many, many things besides God Himself. And this man is no different. So there's two ways to look at this from, from, there's two different perspectives to look at this from. You can look at it from the perspective of the man. Imagining myself the man and, and considering that I should be able to have faith in God or I should have faith in God that He is going to lead me in the direction that I need to go and that He's going to keep me safe and He's going to strengthen me. And I should not put my faith or my trust in humankind. But there's another perspective that we can look at. Even though our faith is in God, we are accountable for our brethren. So try to look at it from the perspective of the people around this paralyzed man. So of course it's true that we should not have our trust and faith in anyone but God. That's from the perspective of us needing healing. But what about our obligation to be Christ's healing hands and feet to other people? If you think about this story, it's tragic that this man has been paralyzed for all this time. And he was lying a very short distance from healing, but he himself was unable to do it because he did not have the strength to go into the waters. And no one, no one over the course of all those years had compassion on him. If even one person had come, if only one heart had responded with compassion, this man might have been had years and years of health. But no one, not one person, had any compassion on him. And all that was left for him was direct intervention of God. So it's important for us to, to keep this in mind. We are surrounded by people who are in need. Not only people who are physically paralyzed that need help. There are many people who are paralyzed in themselves and they need to meet someone who would help them. Paralyzed in themselves like they are terrified of life because life has been difficult for them. They've had heartless relationships, insensitive people around them, brutal surroundings. There are many people who hoped when they were young that there would be something for them in life, and as they grew, they got the feeling that there wasn't. They didn't see compassion, they didn't see friendliness, they didn't see anything. And when they tried to receive comfort and support, they didn't receive it. Whenever they thought they could do something, they were told, don't try. That you're incapable un of this. And they felt down. And many people are unable to fulfill God's mission for them in their lives, not because they were physically ill or sufficiently strong, but because they didn't find a supporting hand. They didn't find someone who felt deeply for them enough to ask about them, to care about them, to look for their help. 
So we are surrounded, all of us, by people who are in this situation of the paralytic man. And all of us are responsible for each of them. We are responsible mutually for one another. Because when we look you know, to our left, we look to our right, people stand by us. You know, ask yourself, even within the church, how much do you know about the people around you? Do we know uh, the, the details of their life? Do we know their brokenness? Do we know the times that they've had fear or rejection? Or have been hated? And maybe they've lost respect for others or lost respect for themselves and they don't have courage to make a move towards healing and wholeness. We should reflect on that. And we should look at each other when we see each other. And we should think about how much frailty it is within the person standing next to me. How much pain or how much paralysis has gone into their heart. How much fear of life. And we should look at each other with understanding, with attention, with compassion. Christ is there, of course. He can heal. But we will be answerable for each other because there are so many ways in which we should be the eyes of Christ, sees the needs, the ears of Christ, who hears their cry, the hands and feet who support and heal to make possible for the person to be healed. So we should look at the parable of the paralytic from this perspective as well, not only as one sick, as one desiring to be made well, but also from the perspective of those around, learning to have compassion, getting to know the people around me in a real way that I can affect them positively and care enough to affect them positively. The last thing that I want to touch on is the fact that the natural mind can't fathom the supernatural. St. John tells us in the Gospel that our Lord Jesus Christ performed this miracle on the Sabbath. And of course, according to the Pharisees, something like carrying somebody's bed during the Sabbath was violating the law of the Sabbath. In their eyes, this person committed an offense because he's carrying his bed back home. And when they confronted the man and they told him, you know, what are you doing? He says, the person who healed me told me to carry my bed home. You can imagine, this is a man who was paralyzed 38 years, carrying his bed home, and he is like a living miracle. Clearly God's work. But the Pharisees are not happy. They're not interested in the miracle. Their only concern is that the law was violated. The person who violated the law had to be found, had to be punished. They were very carnal-minded, so they couldn't fathom the, the miraculous, supernatural work of God that was happening right in front of their eyes. Sometimes we cannot understand, or actually we can never understand spiritual matters only with our natural minds. Because the natural mind only understands what's natural. It cannot fathom the supernatural work of God. In the New Testament, we see many people who attempted to understand the supernatural work of God with their natural minds. For example, Zechariah, when the angel came to him and said, you're going to have a son, he said, it's not possible. It can't happen. Nicodemus, when our Lord Jesus Christ said, unless you are born again of water and spirits, you will not enter the kingdom of God. And how did he answer? He said, how can anybody be born again? Are they going to go into the womb of their mother again and be born? Simon the sorcerer, when he saw the apostles laying hands on people and the Holy Spirit descending on people in tongues of fire, he said, let me pay you. I want to have this ability. I want to be able to do this thing. Those people attempted to understand spiritual matters with a natural mind. Our Lord Jesus Christ, when He sort of went away from the multitudes and, and He left after the healing of the paralytic man, He found the man later 
the man that he healed, and he warned him to stop sinning, to prevent something worse happening to him. Our Lord Jesus Christ was implying that the man's healing was about his holiness. His healing was about his holiness. This is what I mean when I'm saying that we have to understand the spiritual matters with a spiritual mind. Our Lord Jesus Christ is warning to this man that there is part of his sickness is de- dealing with or because of his sin. None of the physical miracles that our Lord Jesus Christ performed in his ministry was the end in and of itself. All of the miracles he performed was pointing to something more, pointing something about him, about the kingdom of God, about the spiritual or moral transformation of the person being healed. But many times in our own lives, we miss the spiritual element of the miracles that happen to us because we're only interested in the material benefits. That actually happened in the, Old Test- in the New Testament as well. When our Lord Jesus Christ multiplied the, the five loaves and two fish, people were seeking after Him, going after Him because they wanted more food. Do this again, multiply this again. We want more food. We often misunderstand miracles as sort of like a supernatural means to a natural end. But this is incorrect. They serve a higher purpose. Most of us seek God for more material blessings because we think material is is what we need in our life. And you may have received a miracle in, in your lives and you should thank God for this. But you need something more than just the miracle and that is the relationship with God. The relationship with God. So unfortunately, like we can't lose sort of the, the, the blessings that God is giving us by focusing us so much on the miracle itself, the actual thing that we got. But this miracle should point us back to God. I'm sure you can look back in your life times where God answered my prayers in a clear way, where He answered my prayers clearly, and He was helping me and guiding me and blessing me. I should understand this to mean that He's doing this for a purpose. Maybe He's saying, sin no more. Maybe He's saying, I'm calling you to a service or a ministry. Maybe He's strengthening your faith for times of trouble that are coming ahead. But definitely, for sure, your miracles and the blessings that you have in your life are not merely just for the supernatural. So especially during this holiest time in the year, it's a a reminder for us, as I said in the beginning, that God is speaking and seeking me personally to return and to repent and to come to Him individually. And then also a final reminder that miracles in our lives, the things that we that happen for us, are for our benefit of course here on earth, but more importantly for the kingdom of heaven. And the last thing, just as a reminder, that we have an obligation to our brothers and sisters to be the hands and feet of Christ, to help them, to have compassion on them, to look at the individuals, and glory be to our God forever and ever. Amen.